This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 61 of the Rebel Author Podcast. This week, I'm talking to Honoré Corder. We'll be discussing tips and tricks to help you write your book in 15-minute time blocks. Now, I know, I said last week I'd be speaking to Mike Reeves McMillan, but guess who got their knickers in a twist again with a schedule? That would be me! Fear not, Mike will be here next week talking about grammar and neatly professionally presented manuscripts, but uh, this week I have Honoré and boy are you in for a treat. I adore Honoré, her way of, I don't know, like describing her way of talking about mindset, giving you a kick up the butt. I I just loved her outlook. And yeah, so I'm excited for you guys to hear the interview with her. But first to last week's question. Last week's question was, what one thing do you want to achieve by the end of the year? Um, Edwin actually had a comment about last week's episode, which was with Michelle Summers, where we talked about synopsis. Uh, writing a synopsis. Edwin said, I'm self-published and all the editors I hired required me to include a short synopsis of the work as an indication of where I wanted the story to go to guide their comments. And I think that's great and really interesting because I, I don't think I've ever had that. I don't think I've ever been asked to provide a synopsis. So that's very interesting that um, Edwin is having to deal with synopses even even though he's self-publishing. Julie Westerfeld said, by the end of the year, I want to have finished the first draft of uh, Oriana, my fantasy novel, and Anathema, my urban fantasy novella. Ian Worrell said, I want to get the first draft of my book cancelled. Uh, that I am doing for NaNoWriMo this year. <laughs> I had to read that twice because I was like, you want to cancel your book? No, you mean your book is called Cancelled and you would like to finish the first draft. I am wishing you all the best of luck with that. Erin McKnight said, I want to have an editor selected and a deadline to bring them my manuscript so that I can reach my full 2021 publishing goal. And Caribou Buziak said, finish editing uh, the editing process on my debut novel. Awesome. Lots of people trying to finish books and manuscripts by the end of the year. I love it. This week's question is, what do you do to help you get into the right mindset? So perhaps you have had a bad mindset period, perhaps you've had some negativity, perhaps you're feeling grumpy like I was yesterday, or I don't know. Yeah, what do you do when you're in a mindset funk to help you get out of that funk um, and into the right mindset to uh, get on with work again? recommendation of the week this week. So I know <laughs> I am supposed to be recommending non-fiction books and most of the time I try and do that but I went through a period of binge reading non-fiction and now I'm having to read fiction just to just because I need the input, I need the story and I happen to have been very lucky and had a string of excellent books that I've been reading and that is why this week I am recommending The Book Thief by I'm going to butcher his name. Marcus uh, Zusak, I think. Zusak? 
yeah anyway it's very famous so I'm sure if you put in the book thief you'll find it it's also been a Hollywood movie um oh my goodness so I was recommended this book a number of times it's narrated by death um and I'm about 70 pages in and I started last night and basically I am so hooked on this book that I had to carry it with me <laughs> when I took my son on uh, to school this morning and then um I I literally I like shoved him through the door and like ripped open the pages to carry on reading and I read all the way home and I'm pretty sure all of the parents were staring at me and I had zero fucks to give that is how good this book is and I definitely nearly killed a kid on the way back because I was so engrossed in the fucking story I didn't see that there was a child freaking out in front of me as like this big towering angry lesbian was about to like you know fall on her anyway uh, the child lived no children were harmed in the making of this podcast or the reading of the book thief uh, but yes I do highly recommend it the book is um as I've said it's narrated by death and it is set in war-torn Germany um and obviously you know there are sensitive topics in there it is talking about Nazis it is talking about uh, Judaism I mean it's not a religious book it is it is not a book well so far it hasn't been a book about war obviously that is one of the themes in there it is a is a book about a child who um experiences loss and death and steals books <laughs> anyway I don't I can't tell you what the whole story is about because I haven't read it yet and I don't I haven't read the blurb um I've, I'm reading it just because I've been recommended it so many times anyway I've now spent like two and a half minutes talking about this damn book so suffice to say y'all should read it it's so personal update then what have I been doing in the last week well I think I mentioned that I was going to look at my website in this last week I nearly didn't do it because the last time I upgraded my website, it was so stressful. Um, it took me more than a working day to fix it and I broke it and all kinds of problems ensued. This time, I think because I had the framework in place already and I'd done it once before, it was significantly easier. So I have actually done it. Basically, I gave my website a facelift because I am installing a shop on my website so that I can sell books directly from myself. Uh, one for one reason, I will get more royalty than um, other, uh, you know, book shops like Amazon because, you know, I get higher royalty. It's selling it direct, but also, and this is the predominant reason I can do discounts and sales when I want to do them. So like, and they can be exclusive as well, which I think is awesome. So if I wanted to thank my subscribers, I could give them a subscriber specific um, discount code, or I could do a nano discount, or I could, I don't know, you know, I, I just think in this day and age, it's another income stream. It's another way to be able to provide value and exclusivity for um, people who support me and I think that's important to give back so yeah I want I wanted to have a shop uh, on my on my website so that is that is what I've got oh yeah and also because if I want to sell the odd you know signed paperback or whatever or hardback then that is going to be a possibility as well so I can whack those up there I have been asked for a few um, but I'm, and I've never done them so 
Yes, anyway, uh, suffice to say, it did still give me a headache putting this new website in place, but it looks very sexy and shiny. It is not complete, there are still broken things on my website, but it is, I would say, 80% of the way there. I have my working homepage, I finally got my mailing list reintegrated, I don't have my pop-up back yet, um, but it looks so much better. Uh, so yeah, once that is all done, I will drop the link in the show notes if you want to go and have a nosy. What else? Um, yes, so this is, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, I probably have, but this, I, I, I coined this year the year of finishing shit, and so one, that was one of the things, I wanted to upgrade my website, and I still have a lot of work to do on the back end to get things neat and tidy and um, ship shape, but that's fine, um, I just, I will keep going and hopefully get all of that done by the end of the year. The other thing that I really desperately want to finish this year is the mailing list move. I... I don't know if I'm putting this off because I, I, I don't know, I don't know, but I have been putting this off for a while. Basically, I've half built a new autoresponder sequence, which is like a mini craft course, um, and I haven't finished it, and for that reason, that is why I haven't moved the subscribers, and I don't know whether to just move everybody on my current autoresponder sequence, or whether I just keep everybody with MailChimp, I don't know, it's costing me a fortune, and I, I want to move, but also, oh god, I don't know, you can see I'm extremely indecisive today. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on, two more things I wanted to talk about. I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Jeff Elkins this week. Um, I will be on his podcast. Uh, I don't know when. I think it... Oh, yes, no, I do. I think it's going to be coming out in February. But oh my God, he gave me some massive revelations. Uh, he this is, this is why you need to watch this episode. I gave him a thousand words of an unpublished manuscript that I'm working on. It was a thousand words of The Scent of Death. And one of the things I've been working really hard on is the characterization and the character voices. And um, that is essentially what the episode was about, was about character voice and looking at how you can... Um, you know, augment it, make it better, sharper, cleaner, deeper. And yeah, he's a genius and the episode is amazing. And I came away with so many revelations that I've basically down tools on everything else. And I'm going to spend the rest of today working on the scent of death just because I have to get out some things that he sort of inspired inside me. Um, so yeah, I am super excited to share that episode with you. Also shitting myself because you know, it is an, a first draft piece of writing and he's gone over and edited it, which is fine. Um, some of the things I agreed with, some of the th things I didn't agree with. Um, and so it'll be really interesting for you guys to watch that episode, watch or, or, or listen to that episode. And uh, when it's out, I will share it with you. But yeah, I sometimes it is so nice to talk to somebody else about your work. And if you've never done that before, then I highly recommend it because no matter where you are in your process and your journey with writing, you can always learn something new. So yeah, thanks to Jeff for that. I am super excited to get on with writing scent after I finish this podcast. So let's move right on. Last but by no means least, I wanted to remind you that the story bundle that I am part of only has a week left to go. So if you've been umming and ahhing, now is the time to go and get yourself a copy of um, the story bundle. What is Story Bundle, I hear you asking? Well, don't worry, I'm gonna tell you. 
Right, so Story Bundle is a box of 17 uh, digital books. They are all non-fiction, writing craft, business books, mindset books, audio books, marketing books, um, with a stack of amazing writers in like Joanna Penn, um, Kevin J. Anderson, Honoré Corda, um, who else? Uh, Scott King. We've got books on um, all kinds of things from, like I've mentioned, audio. You've got my heroes and villains books in there. You've got books on how to write a synopsis, books on writing quickly, books on uh, how to write descriptions, books on, yeah, all kinds of things and you also get a course from Dean Wesley Smith about how to run a business in basically 2020 so a clusterfuck which is super helpful and I have actually started watching that course myself so yes I highly recommend it it's a pay what you like the minimum payment is only $20 and you're getting 17 books and a course which is already worth 150 bucks so it's a bit of a fucking bargain if you're asking me I will put the links to that in the show notes. Alrighty then, Rebel of the Week is Emma Jeffrey. Emma said, most people wouldn't think me very rebellious. I am very much a peacemaker. But when I have strong feelings about something, especially regarding my future, I'm an adept of the philosophy, where there's a will, there's a way. Once upon a time, I was studying in France where the system is such that to get into a good university, one first has to go through two years of hell, which ends in a lottery uh, some misleadingly call a competitive exam. I knew instinctively this wasn't the path for me. I wanted to study physics in a good institution. Why would I leave that up to chance? Still, everybody around me insisted it was the only way. So what did I do? I rebelled and found another way, of course. I went to a renowned university in Switzerland where I spent some of my best years of life studying exactly what I had always wanted to learn. I never once regretted that decision. I love this so much because A, you took control of your life. B, you basically disregarded what any family member or anybody in your life wanted you to do. Such a rebellion. Um, yeah, God, I love it. I love it. If anyone listening would like to be a rebel of the week and please do be a rebel of a rebel of the week a rebel of the week yes why not fuck it be a rebel as well rebel rebel in your rebellion come with me people come be rebels uh anyway back in the room if you would like to be a rebel of the week please do send in your story it can be any kind of rebellion big small or somewhere in between you can email your rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or tweet me at rebelauthorpod Two new patrons this week. A huge thank you to Victoria L.K. Williams and Sweet Baby Fox. Love that name. Didn't have a, another name in the Patreon, so that is the only name I could call out. But thank you so much, both of you. It really does mean a lot to me. And um, if you haven't already checked it out, I put a massive whopper of an article about uh, content marketing in Patreon, I think. I don't know, maybe last weekend. So yeah, make sure you check that out. And of course, to all my patrons, old, new or middle-ish, you guys help to keep the podcast running. You help to give me warm and squishy feelings in my belly and chip off a bit of coal of my cold dead heart. So yes, thank you. Thank you. A thousand thank yous for joining me. 
If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes as well as bonus content, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. This episode is sponsored by Kobo Writing Life, so I'm going to play a word from the sponsor and then we'll get on with the interview. Hello Rebels, we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors, and we want to help you take control of your independent publishing business. With this in mind, KWL created a way for you to publish an audiobook right in your account just as easily as you can publish an ebook. You can create a customizable table of content, set the price in 16 different currencies, and even set up a pre-order for your audiobook with no date limitations. We don't ask for exclusivity and you'll always control your pricing. Not only is it easy to publish your audiobook to Kobo store, it also go to Kobo's partners like Booktopia in Australia. On top of that, we have promo opportunities exclusive for authors that publish directly with KWL. If you'd like to learn more about publishing and promoting your audiobooks, email the team at writinglife at kobo.com. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life in general, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. You can create your free account today at kobo.com slash writinglife. Now back to Sasha and happy writing. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Honoré Corda. Honoré is an executive and strategic book coach, TEDx speaker and author of dozens of books, including You Must Write a Book. Welcome. Hello, delighted to be with you. I want to have a better accent now after listening to you with the intro. Oh, no, but it's, it, grass is always greener. And whenever I hear, you know, lovely American accents or, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people uh, from New Zealand and Australia recently and I'm always jealous because I'm like, I just have oh. a British accent, you know? Is, is it a lovely American accent even a thing? I didn't, yeah. I didn't oh. know it was a thing. Yeah, of course it is because, you know, the grass is greener and I'm in Britain and we have, you know, boring British accents. I love like a New York my dad's from New York so you know to me it's like you know it reminds me of family so I yeah I love American accents personally Sasha what are you doing Sasha yeah. come on <laughs> I love it I love it um wow okay so we are here not to talk yes, about we're accents here. yes we're, okay, we're you can. New show we're New show. okay I love it I love it um tell everyone a little bit more about you and your writing journey and how you got to where you are today oh gosh um so I started writing books in 2004 and it was because I was a business and executive coach and a speaker and to round out the trifecta of awesomeness and be taken seriously by the public at large I needed to have a book and so I I wrote my first book and I enjoyed all of the wonderful things that happen when you write a nonfiction book. And then I got the fever as one would do. And being a book lover, I was always having book ideas, but I didn't, uh, I'll, I'll use a British term. I did not fancy myself to be a writer. <laughs> and so I didn't see myself as an author. I saw myself as a coach who had written a book, which is a bit of a different, right? A different um, viewpoint. Um, but I had another book idea a few years after that one. And then that one turned into a series. And then I just kept coming up with book ideas and just kept writing books. And over time, my business coaching clients would say, so you wrote a book and it did a lot for your career. Should I write a book too? Yes, you should. Can you help me? I suppose I could. And so ultimately my practice, my coaching practice became book coaching as opposed to business coaching 
with, so it was business coaching with a little bit of book coaching. And now it's book coaching with a tiny bit of business coaching thrown in because I think we're, you know, multifaceted people and everybody needs all the things, right? Absolutely. I'm always in awe when I speak to book coaches because I cannot coach people. I can consult and do like a, a power hour. I can do like a maybe one or two sessions, but that's it. I'm out at the end of those two sessions. So <laughs> well, get it together. I uh, yeah, I'm like rub some dirt on it. Write the book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, I uh, one of my one of my best friends who I host another podcast with. He is um, diving into a book, being a book coach, and I'm just awesome. in awe because he has this wonderful ability to like know people and um, just get people and ask the right questions and all this stuff. And I am so far from that, so I'm like I'm like give me all your you know knowledge and stuff. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so we are here to talk about one of those books, The Nifty Fifteen. Uh, yes. This is a concept around, you know, being able to write a book in just 15 minute blocks. So to tell everyone, how on earth is that possible? Well, you can get a lot done in 15 minutes if you really put your mind to it. You can run a mile or two miles or three miles, depending upon how fast you are. You can get from here to there and you can also get some words down on paper. And I, I discovered the 15 minute rule when that's all I had. <laughs> when I was bound and determined to be the anthem of the plant and to figure out how to get the book written, even being a single mom at the time, having a full coaching practice, traveling for speaking, all of the things, and yet still had to get the book written and days would pass and days would pass because I didn't have the whole day. Whoever has the whole day or an hour or two hours or three hours or a morning to block out or an afternoon to block out or, oh, I'm going to have the whole evening and then the wheels come off the bus. We all know these days, right? And so I finally just decided that I was just going to set the egg timer and sit down and write as much as I could and figured out, and I think these are, this is where we're going to have our discussion, right? It's like figuring out, like, how do I sit down and just get into the zone, just get the words on paper sit down, focus, get the words on paper, and then get on with my day. And then come back the next time and do it and do it and do it. And I found that I would start with, ooh, I would write 50 or 100 words. And that feels like an epic fail until you realize it's 50 or 100 words that I didn't have the day before. And if I did 100 words a day for 30 days and I had 3,000 words, and that, those are real words. That's a real word count, kids, right? And so just figuring out how to... Um, structure, how to get the function in place, how to get the motivation in place, how to turn on my, my writing state. Like how do I snap to it and go straight from driving to writing, to cooking dinner, to writing, to putting someone to bed, to writing, to watching something on television, to writing, to doing a coaching session, to writing and figuring that recipe out and then being able to put it into practice. So that's where the principles of the Nifty 15 were born. Mm, I love it. I, when I used to have a day job, I would micro write. So if I was walking to the toilet from my office, um, I would get my phone out. Yeah, yeah. And I would write like a sentence. It might only be a sentence, but it was a sentence, you know, and I, um, I would write on my lunch break and I would write if people were late to my meetings, I'd be like on the phone typing, you know, writing, you know, if people are late, you know, I'm not going to waste those three minutes whilst everybody else was chatting and I was the antisocial one on my phone. 
like not giving any fucks about what anyone else is doing. So right. I had a book to write. That's right. And they think you're on social media. So they're already dis- disdained. You know, they're yeah. already looking at you with disdain and you're like, well, take that. I'm going to put this on KDP and make money. So keep chatting. <laughs> Exactly. The one I used to hate the most was when I was walking down corridors writing and these sort of old white middle age, you know, not sort of stuffy conservative people would turn around to me and go, you're going to uh, bump into somebody, you know, writing on your phone. And I was like, really? Well, I haven't so far and I'm in my mid thirties. So, you know, don't think it's yeah. going to happen yet. But um, anyway, <clears throat> so talking about the preparation, yeah. What can people do? Because there is clearly um, it's it's either a habit they need to create or, you know, there, there's got to be something to help people uh, shift their brain rapidly from um, task to task. So what can people do to help prepare themselves, prepare their brains, prepare their documents uh, to be able to write effectively in those short um, time slots? Great, great question. And I'll give a couple of tips that I think are just going to kind of flip the switch, right? So the first thing is to be prepared and know what you're going to write. And that could require some preparation time on the way back from the toilet, right? (laughs) So preparation time can be anytime you want, but figuring out like, this is what I'm going to write. So this is the scene I'm going to write. This is the section I'm going to write. This is the chapter I'm going to write. This is the introduction I'm going to write, or this 15 minutes is going to be my prep for my next five writing sessions. However, that plays out for you, but preparation really is key. And then I'm gonna use a fun phrase, figuring out what turns you on, right? What's the on switch for you? Not what turns you on for later, okay? This isn't that podcast, but it's really <laughs> it's really what turns you on in, in terms of writing. And I'll tell a quick story that's really gonna, that has nothing to do with writing, but really talks about emotions and getting into state. So when Michael Jackson died, I was on my way to a meeting and I had heard that morning, Michael Jackson passed away. And I was really super pissed off at him because he's so talented, right? And so I was like, you should live a long time and create more songs instead of being stupid. But anyway, I digress. So I'm on my way to a meeting and his song, You Are Not Alone starts to play. And I'm already sad and mad at him, right? So I start to cry. You are not alone start. And I'm just, oh, this is so sad and he's gone and whatever. Thankfully, before I got to my meeting, the next song that they played in the two-pack was Beat It. Do, 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 do. So by the time I got to the meeting, I was still mad. I was still a little sad, but I also had changed my state into, I can go into a meeting and feel good about the meeting. What I learned about um, the power of music in that moment most uh, definitely um, learned or relearned is that you can use music or something else to turn your flip, flip, flip your switch, turn yourself on, right? So that when you sit down to write, if you have a writing playlist, so some people write to um, classical music, some people have to write to, um, you know, like the Star Wars soundtrack or the Rocky soundtrack or something that's motivational in general. I like to put on a little Britney to get myself into the flow, I'm just gonna say, right? Work Bitch is kind of my favorite song and I have it in two links. I have the four minute version and the six minute version. I'm just gonna say, but it really is that thing that I can be um, tired from not enough sleep. I can be completely busy. I can be stressed out. And if I put on that song, there is something about that introduction that says, okay, it's time, it's time to work out or it's time to drive fast or it's time to write. 
And so it's figuring out what's the music that takes you from, I don't want to write, I'm not motivated into the state of Pavlov's dog, which is it's time to eat. It's, or, you know, it's time to write the words. So coming up with your recipe, figuring out what works for you, and then repeating that actually over time will mean that it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You will sit down, you will open that document or open Scrivener or whatever, and boom, you start that song and your fingers are going to go to the keyboard and you're going to do it automatically. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. I have a playlist for that exact reason. The Absolutely. other thing you did is you, you gave me a bit of an epiphany. That's why I was like, oh, like Star Trek for a second there, because what I've realized is, so I don't write linearly. I write all over the place. Okay. And what I've realized is that came from the day job. If I only had two minutes or I only had 10 minutes to write, I would go to whichever place emotionally I was most excited about. So, and I would write a couple of sentences or a, mm -hmm. or a couple of paragraphs in that scene. And I never, I never realized until you just said that why I still write out of order. And I think it's because I had to, I had to write under pressure and therefore the best, mm -hmm. most effective thing for me to do was write the thing I was most excited about. And that was never the next chapter, you know, it was always something all wow, over the place. Interesting, interesting. Mm. Interesting. So then the, the last thing before, so we've got the, what do you do before you sit down to write, which is the preparation piece. And then it's, how do you flip the switch and turn on that writing piece of your brain? Because you, you can't buy into, I have writer's block or I can't write right now or whatever. It's like when you got the block, right? You got the block of time. You can't have another block. You got to just sit down and write. And that, that's a belief that comes through you. It's like, when I sit down to write the words flow through my fingertips, that's what you repeat to yourself as a mantra. But then just when you're about to finish, you, you maybe set the timer for 14 and a half minutes. And when that timer goes off, you write yourself some notes, leave yourself in the middle of the sentence write a sentence, write a couple of sentences about like, here's where you can start again the next time. So when you sit down to write and you turn on that playlist and you have your mantra flow through you, like, oh, my, the words are coming through my fingers. You just put it and you read those couple of sentences and then you're off to the races. I love that. That's something I, I don't do. And I am hundred percent going to start doing. <laughs> oh, good. I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. I am absolutely going to yeah. start doing that. That's brilliant. Um, Okay, so one of the principles around this, I, I don't know if you've read Cal Newport's um, Deep Work mm -hmm. book, um, but he talks about the fact that when we get interrupted, and this is slightly different because obviously we are intentionally choosing 15 minute blocks, Correct. but um, you know, he talks about interruption and focus and how long it takes for us to sink into focus. Do you think there's like any connection, you know, if we only have 15 minutes, is it hard for us to get into that level of deep focus? Or do you think that, you know, with these psycho like psychological triggers almost, we can get deep enough to focus? Well, I think that Cal Newport is not a mom. <laughs> No, he is not. <laughs> so I'm going to say that I have become a, a, an Olympic level ignorer. <laughs> I can block out anything at any time. I don't even hear it. Crying baby. Nope. Right. It's like, I'm not going to listen. I just tune it out. Um, I, I'm sure that there is a lot of validity and I never like to say, well, that person is wrong. I just have figured out that whatever I say when I talk to myself and whatever I choose to believe that that's what I'm able to channel. That's what mm -hmm. I'm able to create. So if I had, if I believe that every time I was interrupted, that it would take me 25 minutes 
um, to get back to where I was, I would be in prison because I wouldn't be able to focus and I would have killed all the people that interrupt me. <laughs> I would be living alone in prison right now. <laughs> so I, I, I'm sure that there is some scientific study behind that. And yes, I'm, I'm aware of, of Mr. Newport's work and, and respect what he's come up with. But I also know that in my own 53 books of writing. I was a single mom for some of them. I have a husband, right? Olympic level interrupters, right? And then I have a dog and two cats and clients and friends and relatives and all the things that we all have. And at some point you just have to tune everything out and just do the solo focus and mm -hmm. just, right? You're driving at night, your eyesight is bad, it's raining. And you have to focus and you have to block everything else out. And I think that being a writer does not always come with unlimited amounts of time where we can, you know, smoke cigarettes on the cabin's back porch with a little bit of fog and some deer and someone bringing you your favorite drink every 45 minutes, right? It's just, I've never had that happen in all of my years. I haven't even taken up smoking yet. So, I mean, there's that. When I'm right, you see what I'm saying is it's like, I don't mean, I don't mean it all just to be disrespectful, but I really do think at some point you have to not buy into someone else's determination of your limitations. Yeah. And go, I, I'm just not, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to pretend that Cal never said that. And when someone interrupts me, I don't have the luxury of 25 minutes to get back into my focus. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, um, over the last, well, this year, <laughs> 2020 the clusterfuck that is 2020 I um so the thing that shocks me the most about this year is not all of the chaos that's happened but a, a personal shock thing is that um of all the years I've been writing this is the year I've written double the amount of books I've written in any other year and I'm like like I, I we're getting towards the end of the year and I'm like what how did that happen I literally and it's and it's because it is because of that hyper focus I mean I think the more because you know our, my, our son was here for seven months every day 24 hours a day for seven months because we moved house and so we couldn't get him into school and it was chaos anyway but I think what that has taught me is that hyper focus and the more somebody wants to take something away from you like your precious time the more determined well, I become and I hope listeners are be become in order yes. to keep hold of that thing. And that is yes. where I think I've derived the focus from this year. Um, I mean, I've literally written double. <laughs> it's just... That's amazing. Congratulations. I've learned I've learned French. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I've just always wanted to do it. And I thought, well, I'm not going anywhere. And I can talk to French people for five bucks every half hour on <laughs> italki.com. And so... I'm just going to study French with all my extra free time and write fiction and read heaven. That is amazing. Yes. Not to diminish other people's frustration. And I'm super proud of you for your double writing. Right. But it's this, you know, you've got to make hay while the sun is shining and you've got to learn a language when you can't leave your house. Right. Like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Other things have fallen apart. <laughs> Part, but that I just chose to focus my time there right, because exactly I'm, you yes. know I'm yes. not yeah we are not saying uh, you know people who haven't doubled their word counts you know everybody has their own yes everyone is handling this year and every year in their own way however exactly. perhaps we can stand as beacons of possibility for people who are looking for absolutely light. 
looking for light and inspiration for sure. Exactly. Okay. So um, before I dive into some more sort of businessy entrepreneurial questions, any mistakes that you've seen writers making when trying to attempt this process of working uh, in short periods of time? Um, I think that the thing that I hear is I tried it and it didn't work for me. And when I dig into what that means, they would say, well, I tried it for a week or, you know, I, I tried it three or four times or something and, or I tried it for a little while and then I got away from it and I didn't get back to it. And it really has to be um, something that you commit to mentally, right? So it's like, in whatever way, like it doesn't have to be committed out loud, but it can be the beginning of a streak. And if you have the streak of 15 minutes and you say, this is the day I am packed to the gills, where am I going to find 15 minutes? I'm going to set the intention. I'm going to find 15 minutes, even if you don't have a 15 minute block on your phone, because sometimes kids are sick or you do have a travel day or work interferes. And so you have this nice 15 minute block of time on your calendar or an hour or two hours. And then the wheels come off the bus and it's like, oh my gosh, when am I gonna do this? And I have legitimately pulled myself out of bed, albeit at 9 p.m. because I get up at four in the morning. So that seems early for some people, but I've pulled myself out of bed and set my timer for 15 minutes and written hundred words or 500 words and then gone to bed. Just so I didn't lose my streak when I was work, especially when Brian and I were working on this book, it was a, it was a pass or fail, right? <laughs> it was like, well, we did 15 minutes a day, some of the time. <laughs> so um, it's really committing to yourself and to the process also for long enough to figure out how to make it work for you. Because that whole recipe that I came up with of writing those sentences so that tomorrow when I sit down, I start the music, I didn't mention coffee, but I think it's implied, um, right? I have the correct beverage, uh, right? And all that stuff took a while for me to figure out. I didn't just magically come up with the, the key to unlock the door to Honoré's writing magic formula, right? It was like, I had to kind of play with it a little bit to see how it could work best for me. And I think that's where people don't give themselves enough time to just kind of like, well, I'm just going to do it past the exciting beginning, past the, the yucky middle to the, to the part where it's like, oh, this is what works for me. This can work for me. And nine times out of 10, it's going to work. 9.5 times out of 10, it's going to work if I work it. And then you realize I have something to rely on. I have a touchstone. If I put on Brittany, I'm going to be able to write some words. And I can rely on that as silly as it sounds, it's actually a real thing, right? So it's figuring out what's the thing that's going to flip the switch for you and, and get you to write. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. I I agree with everything that you are saying. Um, Okay, so let's slide a bit more into, I guess, like the the entrepreneurial side. Um, So you've had an amazing career. You've done a TEDx talk. You've um, worked on the Miracle Morning series, like some crazy, amazing things in amongst having written a gazillion books. So like thinking across your career so far, like what do you feel were the check marks that, that where you leveled up in your, in your business, in your career? Um, well, 
all every step of the way, all along the way, I just kept trying to improve myself and was always looking. So every year, and this is the time of year when we start to look at next year, how can I make next year? How can we not make next year? <laughs> like the bar is so low, right? So it's kind of like, sweet, jinx no matter what. No matter what, next year is going to be better. Okay. Um, no, I didn't jinx it. I, I believe in setting intention. And I don't think this year overall, if we look back, I think we can find a lot of gifts in this year. It caused us to slow down. It caused us to connect to people. It caused us to put things um, on the forefront, self-care and other people that we care about and all the things, right? So I think that the year in as much as it was, it has been kind of a really, uh, that, what, really, are you sure? <laughs> like, is that a real thing? Right. And as much as we've kind of raised an eyebrow six or seven times, I think there have been a lot of blessings. Having said that, um, all along the way, I have always tried to get better. I try to make every book better. I try to make every, uh, every client's book better. I try to make the content better. I go back and I do a, a, a post-mortem, a review, like, what did I learn? So I don't believe in failure. It's like when someone you and so every step of the way. And I think that's a level up too, because I think we can get, uh, I can I'll speak for myself. I have lived in a place of, oh, that was a fail. I failed at that, or I wasn't as good at that as I wanted to be, or that wasn't as successful as I wanted it to be. And then when I realized that, and this is having some age on me, some miles, um, when I can look back and I can see the breadcrumbs, I can see where this happened and it led to this thing. And I did this thing and it led to this thing. And if I had gone a different direction, I would have missed all the wonderful things that happened. So leveling up for me has, has been an intentional purposeful thing. And I was saying this to my husband the other night is like, I love learning. I love getting better. I love, I'm addicted to learning. It's part of my, my personality. That's why I was like, okay, pandemic, quarantine, great. I'm going to learn a foreign language. No, I'm going to become a polyglot now. So I have five languages that I want to learn just because I love it so much. And now I'm starting to feel like I might be a little bit good at it. And let's, let's be clear. When I say I learned French, I think I learned like 8% of French, but I can have a conversation for 30 minutes. If someone speaks really slowly and they tell me the words, I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting enough um, and this, I think, is helpful for writers, too, because when you first start, you're like, well, I'm terrible at this. Who would want to read this? Was anybody going to like this? Is anybody going to want to read this? And then after a while, you, don't you start to feel like, did you go through this, too, where it was like, oh, I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote that? That's pretty good. And it's because you kept writing. So I keep speaking French, and I keep writing, and I keep doing all the things. And then I feel like, oh, I'm getting comfortable. I'm getting a little more comfortable. I, I suck less today. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I understood what they said. That's amazing, right? <laughs> and so it, it's it's the success begets the success begets the success. Mm. And I think that's just caused the 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 constant up level because I never take anything for granted ever. I never take a relationship for granted. I never take success for granted. I don't take book sales for, for granted. Um, I don't take my brand for granted. And so I just keep trying to stay in the work. I'm a player coach as it were, right? So there are coaches and there are players and I'm a player coach. I both play and I coach. And I think that it really helps me to keep, um, keep going up. I would hope. 
I, I love what you said there because um, I am a perpetual learner as well. And, you know, I've probably taken two or three, no, maybe four courses this year. And, um, you know, I had somebody, one of, one of my um, audience say to me, I'm amazed that you're still taking courses and they're courses that can teach you things. And I'm like, but there are so many, there are always oh, things all the time you know we, we can never stop learning ever and um i will be 90 and still learning things like intentionally learning as well every book i intentionally try to learn something from it um good bad or, or otherwise and the other thing that i love that you said is um around failure i don't believe in failure i don't believe it's a thing unless you quit and sometimes quitting is okay like i'm not saying that you can't quit because there are times when that is absolutely the right decision but i am a hundred percent black and white either you quit um or you succeed that's it <laughs> like there is no failure yeah. and oh, um, also you stop sometimes it's like I don't quit doing something I just decide that I'm going to stop doing this because I, I was training for a marathon and I had run marathons before but my hips were hurting and my knees were hurting and I was like just I'm going to do it I'm going to force myself to do it and then I just thought I've already run a marathon I've, I'm already, I've got the t-shirt right I'm part mm -hmm. of the club it's like being a parent there are some people with 11 children. I didn't feel like to be a real parent, I needed to have 10 more children. I was like, I'm in the club, check. <laughs> <laughs> I can stop doing this now. And sometimes just calling a spade a spade and saying, you actually don't wanna do something, right? You have more information and now you just don't wanna do something. I think that's okay too. Oh, completely. And I, but it's funny because I think you have to, get it's very hard to say no and to stop and to quit things like when yes. you're early in your career because you think everything or I certainly thought everything was important and it's only when you when you get further in that you're actually able to say no yes. I don't need to do this anymore I'm not doing this I'm outsourcing this I'm quitting that because it's not bringing in or the I don't want to do it exactly yeah. exactly yeah I don't math I don't math right I I, I have an accountant I have a bookkeeper mm -hmm. and they math for me yeah. Right? Exactly, exactly. I was like, this looks like math and I do not math. I am a writer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. Yeah. Um, all right. What do you think is the most important business skill um, that an indie author mm. needs today? Because I think what, you know, talking about that and saying, you know, we are creatives and, and we like to be on the creative side as um, I guess entrepreneurs and indies, we still have yeah. to business. So what do you think yes. is the most important skill? Well, it's, it's treating your business like a business and understanding business and understanding who you have to have on your team. And when I talk to any, any person, so someone who takes my course or my publishing course or someone who who's in my mastermind, I always start with, do you have a business bank account? Do you have, have you formed your entity, right? Do you have your EIN number, right? Are you running your business like a business? Do you have an those are what successful business people have and I believe you have to assume success before you will achieve success it has to start in your mind if you think as an author especially as an indie author I mean I don't ever really want to punch someone but I do get a little hostile when someone's like well you can't make any money from your books and I was like okay <laughs> Well, yeah, you can't with that attitude. Yes, you can. <laughs> Not with that attitude, you can't. I'm going to start saying that. Um, but I feel like th there's that that myth, right? The myth is, well, you write a nonfiction book as a professional so that you have the authority, but you don't make any money from your books. And I was like, well, that's funny because I made a ton of money from my books. 
and I'm proud and happy about it. And I, it's, it's my favorite thing is to help someone to write and publish and market their books and make money from their books. That's my favorite thing. So if you can't do that, then what have I been doing? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that so much. Like that's one of the things I like about affirmations is that you have to say the thing in the present tense, you know, so uh, I am a six figure author or I am a full time author or, you know, whatever it is that you want and whatever your dream is. And um, that, yeah, I used to um, I, I do it slightly less now. I probably should do a few a few more, but I used to do spend so much time every morning, every night affirmations, affirmations. I used to write them down. I used to I had a, um, a post it note that I was signed and kept in my wallet that said I will be writing full-time in 2020 I quit my job in 2019 nice. so like yeah yeah you know but like I genuinely I, I, I that of, of everything that you said I think that's the thing that I love the most because I feel I just believe so deeply that it yes. you know you yes. you tell yourself what is your reality and ultimately if whatever it is you want, you tell yourself you already have it and your brain will believe it and make it so. That's right. What you, what you say when you tell yourself, right? Oh, I just lost you there. Can you, you say that? To, to Hello? That is a real thing. Thoughts are things. Oh, yes, I'm still here. Oh, I'm sorry. We, I lost you just there. Can you say that last bit again, please? I can. I said you, what you say when you talk to yourself is what you become. Mm. and you have to speak it to become it yeah absolutely and so would be careful if nothing else if for those of you that are did a little eye roll with the whole affirmation thing um go read the miracle morning and read about affirmations but also even if you're thinking well that's ridiculous or that's bunk or whatever just start to notice what you say when you talk to yourself and notice if those things haven't shown up that you've been saying for a long time if you believe you can't make any money from your books and like, well, I don't really think I can make any money from my books. The minute those words come out of your mouth, like pretend like you're stuffing them back in and say, cancel, cancel, cancel. Cause Thanksgiving's coming up. American Thanksgiving is coming up. Right. And we're going to, you're going to have maybe a couple relatives around you. And they're going to say, how's the writing? Are you making any money from your books yet? And if the words start to come out of your mouth, Oh, I haven't made any money from my books. I don't think I can make any money from my books. Just like gather them back up. And say so what I meant to say was, just in case Honor and Sasha are listening, <laughs> is that in 2021, I'm going to make an abundant living from my books. And I'm writing my books and that will come to pass. And then you will get into a situation like me where I love that you mentioned the Thanksgiving I was with my sister-in-law and I I have this uh figure that I'm trying to reach and um I have spent a long time writing this figure every day I earn x amount of money per Mm -hmm. year and Mm -hmm. my (laughs) sister-in-law was asking oh how's the business you know what are you turning over now like and you know some people wouldn't ask that but you know all family whatever it's fine and I almost said (laughs) the figure (laughs) Oh. And I was like, wait, no, hang on. Actually, but because I, I had told yeah, myself yeah. so many it's, times. It's it's your truth. It's your truth. It's just coming. It's just catching up to you. But in your mind, that's your, that's your belief system, a, a million percent. And it works. I use the, the app for my iPhone user friends out there. There's an app called ThinkUp. Oh, I'm going to write this and down. And you record your affirmations in your own voice and then you play it over and over and over and over. So it's one of the first things I listen to in the morning, total nerd alert. 
but I listen to my think up app for at least five minutes every morning. It's five more minutes. I can lay with my eyes closed. I'm your, your brain is in alpha, which is its most receptive state. And it's you telling you the thing that you want to manifest. And it's not just money, it's productivity, it's health, it's wellness, it's whatever you want to affirm when you talk to yourself. So writing those affirmations, recording them, and then playing them over and over to yourself is one of the fastest and best ways to change behavior and results. I am. That is the first thing I'm downloading when I get off okay. this call. Okay, okay, she's gonna get it. She's like, I'm yeah. buying the app. I want it's it. Be amazing. Yeah, I want it. Okay, yes. as a, as a book coach, yeah. what's the biggest barrier or blocker or issue that you come across uh, with writers trying to um, achieve their their book dreams? And do you have any advice for how? Oh, oh, I'm just destroying my office. Um, how to get over that? <laughs> You know what it really is, and it does not matter who I work with. So anyone I've ever worked with at some point has called me and said something along the lines of, except for one, so one exception out of everybody has called me and said, I'm really doubting my ability to write this book slash I'm really doubting whether anyone's going to want to read this book slash imposter syndrome of some kind, right? So I, I, maybe I'm not the person to write this book. Maybe I, I got a little ahead of myself or I thought a little too much of myself. So somewhere along the lines of self-confidence, self-esteem, imposter syndrome, everyone seems to go through that period where they're like, maybe I should just go back to what I was doing before. And my answer is, no, you were right to have the idea to write the book. You can write the book. And what you need to do is practice better what you say when you talk to yourself. So you've got to affirm to yourself, you know, I have every right to write this book. And the person that needs this book is never going to read this book if I don't write this book. And I'm writing this book and I will write this book. And this book will be done by this date. And it's going to be awesome to be an author. And just to repeat that over and over. So I think it's a combination of the vision of having the book finished which is an out there thing, right? So you've got this number, this figure that you're, you're achieving right now, it's coming to pass right now, but it's out there right now. And so then it's bringing it into what am I going to do today to move me a little bit closer to that? How am I going to lean into that vision a little bit? And what do I need to say? What do I need to do? And who do I need to support me? Which is where I come in, which is, you know, I'm the, the cheerleader. I'm the cheerleader and the coach and the training coach and the spirit coach and the sprint coach and, <laughs> and the weight room coach <laughs> and encouraging all of the, the different aspects yeah. of the writer. Right. And, and also um, I'm going to say one more thing that I think is really important. And that is turn up the volume on the voice of the person who tells you, you can and turn off the volume, not down, turn that shit off, turn off the volume of the voice or the voices if up to and including yours of the people who tell you you can't. Because there are so many people that um, what may look at you and go, you, who are you to write a book? Why, why are you writing a book? I had that when I first started. So I wrote a book and one of my best friend's husbands at the time was like, who is on a ray to write a book? And I was like, well, he is not getting a ride in my G5. That will just not happen. I will leave. He will fly commercial. 
<laughs> he will be flying back of the plane commercial. He will not be on my jet, right? And so I had to turn up the voice of the encouragers and down and off the voice of the discouragers up to and including myself until my voice was, I got this. I got this. I could do this. And my daughter is amazing. When she was learning how to drive a couple of years ago, she had her little hands on the steering wheel and we got, had gotten her um, a steering wheel cover and she had her hands and she had her little glasses on and she was just looking so cute. And she also looked really nervous, which made me a little nervous because I'm just the passenger. <clears throat> right. And I said, how you doing? And she was like, I got this mom. I got this. Aww. I'm, I'm going to crush it. Right. And it's like this, because that's what I say to her. Like, you've got this, you, you're going to crush it. You're going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. And so that's what we need to say when we talk to ourselves. And we also need to surround ourselves with other people that are like, Sasha, of course you wrote twice as many books. Of course you did. I'm not, I'm not surprised. Of course you did. You're fantastic. Right. I would, I would have expected that anyway, but wow, way to go. What does that mean? What does that mean for you long-term? What trajectory did you set in place? What goals do you have? How can I support you? And as a coach, it's what will you do? When will you do it? And how will I know? And so that how will I know part is the coaching piece. If you don't have a coach, maybe getting a coach is good, but definitely get a community of people. There mm -hmm. are a lot of people that are out there that would love someone. And I do this with my mastermind group every morning, 6 a.m. Like I look like a homeless person, but you know, we're all kind of get on six o'clock and we're like, morning, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then we write and then we write for an hour and it's like, we're all on zoom just like this, but we're just typing away and writing. And a lot of times I would not show up. I'd be like, Oh, it's a Saturday. Oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Oh, I had some stress in my life, but it's like, Oh, the group's going to be on. I better open that zoom window. They're going to be blowing up my phone with text messages. How many words did you write? Where are you? What are you doing? And you can create that community of people that are going to be there to support you and vice versa. And sometimes, it, and I, and I love this uh, lesson that I learned a long time ago, which is when I'm having a bad day, I go find someone and I encourage them and then I feel better and they feel better. So if you oh, don't I feel like that. writing, but you know that somebody else might not feel like writing, you're like, I don't feel like writing. You don't feel like writing. But if you show up, I'll show up. If you'll write, I'll write. And on Saturday morning, one of my writing buddies like messaged me right at the time that we start. So I had dragged myself out of bed. I had a lot late night. It wasn't exactly the best day ever. And I get out of bed and I'm, I'm like, where is she? And you know how the Zoom has the ding ding and someone's waiting. So like 607 and I'm typing, I'm writing and all the stuff. And she had texted me. And I was like, where is she? So I looked at my phone and she was like, sorry, I'm going to sleep in. And I was like, bitch, I got myself out of bed for, <laughs> I love for it. you. Right. And I was like, thank you for these thousand words. Right. Thank you for not texting me this an hour earlier, because I would have seen it and I would have rolled back over quite possibly and gone back to bed, but I was totally teasing with her. Right. And she was like, okay, but I thanked her. Right. I thanked her the next morning and yesterday morning. And this morning I was like, you know what, that, that really like helped me get over a tough spot. Like I would have rolled over. I would have missed that writing time. And who knows where the dominoes would have fallen if that hadn't happened. But I did text her. I was like, bitch, I got out of the bed. <laughs> I love it. I, I got up because of you. Like, yeah. Oh, you're all warm and snuggly, you know, have an awesome Saturday. Right. I don't get bitter about things. I just, I just was playing with her. Cause it's like, you know, 
but you said you would and I said I would and I showed up and you didn't and mm, right and then of course how can I be upset about it because I got more of what I wanted in the first place I love it I love it okay one of the one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was your TED talk on authenticity I think um in the busy world that we have today it's it's obvious why authenticity is important when we are so saturated with notifications and content um but but so many writers especially early writers struggle with knowing what that actually means for them um and I think it's also tied up in branding I think you know you, you have to be authentic with yourself and and authentic branding as well and and everybody gets very confused and worried about what this means and how they can be themselves so do you have any advice on how authors can empower themselves to find what's like most of them um and therefore put that in authenticity into their work and their business yes and i'm going to say something that sounds completely counterintuitive and it's meditation it's being quiet it's giving yourself the the space to not someone else I spend a good bit of time with a blank page and just coming up with ideas. I've got a crayon in my shower where I can capture my ideas. I tend to go for walks in the woods with my dog. I meditate first thing in the morning. And I think the reason I have just such a wonderful stream of ideas some of them are even great, right? Some of them are good. Some of them are great. Some of them are not so great. Like making homemade Pop-Tarts sounded like a great idea. They tasted great. My pants are a little snug. So is it a good idea? I don't know. We'll find out. You see what I'm saying. But I think a lot of people spend a lot of time worrying about what's authentic because they're like, well, if I do this, what does somebody think about it? And they're looking for that external validation instead of getting quiet and getting centered. And I discovered a new um, app recently for meditation and it's called Unplug and it's 10 minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes a day of meditation. If you like a guided meditation, if you like all different types of meditation, one of my favorite ones that I heard from them. So I have meditations I've done for years and years and also a TM, just having a mantra that you say over and over, like quietly to yourself. But one of my favorite meditations from Unplug was the mantra breathing in two counts, I am, and then breathing out two counts at ease. Mm. I am at ease. I am at ease. And just doing that over and over again and doing six count box breathing, like breathing in for six, holding it for six, breathing out for six, waiting for six also calms your nervous system and brings you back to center. And that takes two or three minutes for anybody with monkey mind, right? You don't have to do it for 20 minutes or 30 or an hour. It's just giving yourself the space to be authentic and to be authentically yourself as soon as possible. Um, and it's a little bit different for everybody. And it's not what somebody else says. Authenticity isn't what somebody else says. Authenticity, authenticity is just who you are. It's just being who you are and shedding. Um, and I have a whole book about it. It's called Stop Trying So Fucking Hard. And, and part of that is like, stop trying to be someone else for people you don't know or you don't like. Doing things, buying things, being someone because you think that that's what they would like. Because ultimately, if you twist yourself into a pretzel to be something that you think someone likes, they won't resonate with you because you're so inauthentic. They're like, there's something weird about that person. I don't know what it is. But when you are so beautifully comfortable with yourself, 
you allow other people to be beautifully comfortable with themselves. Yes. And the I, right people will love you and the rest of the people won't resonate with you and they will automatically go away. They will, although they may give you some grief on the way. Like I remember um, when oh, I was sure. in but my- we don't have to listen to that. No, we don't. When I was in the day job, I the, the one thing in my life that like gave me the biggest scars was when uh, an old boss told me that my personality was a risk to my reputation. And I was a bit like, bitch, my personality is my reputation. Yeah. And now it's and my also whole... I might cut you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Also, you can't really flip someone off because they might shoot you. Also, I might cut you because you just don't know. I could be armed. Oh my God, I love this so much. Um, But I remember like another boss saying the reason, you know, that this person said this is because you are absolutely yourself. You talk to the directors at work in exactly the same way you do in the bar. And because of that, you're not playing the game in this very corporate boys club. And I was like, no, because why would I censor myself? Or, you know, that's exhausting. So anyway. Well, but that is where most people live, Sasha. That is where most people live is they live in a place where they are censoring themselves. They are not saying how they feel or what they feel and they're missing out on the beautiful part of life. And it's not, it's not just saying, you know, I would never say, um, well, that's a terrible outfit or you look terrible or you need to lose 20 pounds or that was a stupid thing to say or how did you think that idea would fly? I'm not talking about that type of authenticity, right? I'm not talking about the the mean, any type of mean stuff. I'm just saying like, just be relaxed and authentic and you will be so much happier that what anybody else does won't bother you. Mm. Like when anybody else, like you're just free to do whatever, whenever, however you want. And I hold the space. I, I, I love holding that space for people. They'll say, oh, well, I voted for this guy. It's a big thing in the US right now. It's like, well, we voted for this guy or we voted for that guy. And I'm like, whoever you voted for, I support you. Whatever it is that you do, I support you. Whoever you spend your life with, I support you. Just create that space for people to feel like they're accepted and then they will accept you as well. Or at the very least, you'll be an example for what holding that space for except that they have to project that onto you. And I just, I don't even argue now, right? I just say, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to argue, right? I don't want to have that conflict with someone. So it's it's interesting that that someone was like, your personality is a is a threat to your reputation. It's like it's almost like that person is saying to you, I don't feel comfortable with my personality. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like what what someone sometimes says or projects onto someone else is actually what they are doing or feeling. And a lot of times I'll just say, Okay, thank you. And that's all I say. Someone's like, I hated your book. It's terrible. You're a terrible writer. I'll say, okay, thank you. Thank you for that feedback. Peace be with you. Right. And I don't mean it in a, I don't mean it in a bless your heart kind of a way, right? Like a bless your heart snarky way. I just mean, no, thank you. It takes courage to speak up. So thank you for that. Mm. And also like, let us not continue our conversation. I have 15 minutes to write now that we're not going (laughs) to. We have nothing yeah. else to say with each other. Woohoo, winning. I found a 15 minute block of time to write. 
Uh, amazing. I uh, uh, And speaking of, you know, being yourself, I think it's one of the things that enables you to find your tribe um, quicker. Yes. And which is a great segue, yes. because this is the Rebel Author Podcast. Yes. And rebels are 100% my tribe. <laughs> so can yes. you tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel? Um, yes, I, you know, thank you for this question. And it really made me think. And I, I think that I unleashed my inner rebel very early when I decided not to listen to people who said, and I'm a, I'm of a generation where you graduated from high school, you went to co college, you got a degree, you got married, you had 2.5 children, all of, and I did none of those things. I did not go to college. I became an entrepreneur and people were always telling me what I should do. And people were putting that on me. And there was a voice inside of me that just kept saying, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sound right. And I didn't do that. And I would say, okay, thank you. <laughs> and then I would go off and do my own thing. I think I've always been a rebel in that way as I've never followed the traditional path. I didn't go with traditional publishing. I was an indie publisher when people were like, oh, <laughs> did you self-publish? And I'm like, I did. And I made a crap ton of money. How was your day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I love it. Oh, are you still making 17 cents a book? Oh, bless your heart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, yeah. When you're ready, come and talk to me and I'll talk to you about how to monetize that. Um, so that's, so probably indie publishing is the, is per pertaining to this conversation is the first time that I said, I'm not, I'm going, I don't feel worthy of going traditional publishing. That was my default setting. Like I was like, I'm not a capital W writer. I don't have a journalism degree. I'm not a writer. I didn't take a writing class. However, I am going to go down this path because this is the path that feels right for me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to create this path and I'm going to crush it. Right. And I'm going to go against where people are saying, oh, okay, so you're going to self-publish until you can get a traditional publishing deal. And I'm like, maybe. But I sold 11,000 copies of my first book in three weeks, like person to person. And so when I started like, you know, counting the check, you know, counting the money, I was like, oh, well, let me just look at this publishing deal that someone else got that they made a big, huge deal about. And it's like all in, she made 16,000 and I made 10 times that. And I went, well, I don't know if that's favorable. I'm going to say that that doesn't, that that's not working for me. That is not to say that whatever path someone chooses, again, I'm a you do you kind of a person. So if you want to get an agent and do a proposal and get a book deal through traditional publishing, and you can do that, please, I will be the first person to buy it and review it. But for me, that was what felt and sounded right for me. And it's kind of worked out. Yeah. You and me both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Where can listeners find out more about you, your books, your coaching services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the things. So honorecorder.com, H-O-N-O-R-E-E-C-O-R-D-E-R.com. I'm at honore on all the socials. Although I'm not socialing this month, I'm NaNoWriMoing. So, <laughs> so I'm a little, I'm totally light on social media this month. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, thank you very much to all of the show's listeners and a big thank you to all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. And that's Sasha with a C and not an S. I'm Sasha Black. You were listening to On a Recorder and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. 
So I do promise that next week we really will be joined by Mike Reeves McMillan uh, to discuss how to present uh, a professional manuscript. So join me then. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. 